Pastor Leon and his wife Sheila founded Gospel Tabernacle Church in 1982 in the heart of Lawrence, South Carolina. Since then, the Lord has richly blessed and increased the ministry and family of Gospel Tabernacle Church. Here at Gospel Tabernacle, we believe in the power of the Word of God to change the hearts and lives of believers. Gospel Tabernacle is a family church ministering to the whole family through the charismatic teaching ministry. Today's message will grow your faith and draw you close to the Lord as you open your heart to God's Word and His Spirit. Glad that you're here today. I hope you really came to worship the Lord today. I've got a word that's been on my heart, really, since I've been talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I'm going to sort of dig into it a little bit more today, but as we do, let's... uh, make our commitment, our pledge, our confession today about the Word of God. How many believe the Word of God is the most important thing in your life? It is, isn't it? Let's make our confession today. Everybody say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. And I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. And I'll never be the same. I'm about to receive the indestructible, incorruptible, the ever-living seed the Word of God, I'll never be the same, never, 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 in Jesus' name, somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah, amen, God bless you as you do. Open the scriptures with me, there's so many places that I can go today, uh, but uh, I'm thinking I want to go to 1 John chapter 5, let's see if that gets us where I need to be, 1 John chapter 5, and then uh, we'll sort of branch off from there, I've been taking that as a text uh, of scripture. And uh, we'll go from there. Okay, let me get where I need to be right here. There we are. Okay. If you look at my graphic on the wall, you can see that I've got a First John five twenty one there, guarding against false gods. Begin to talk about a couple of weeks ago when we begin to look into the idea of what the Bible talks about these false gods. We recognize them in a lot of ways, and I'm just going to give you a little bit of review as we come into this. But let's look at. First uh, John chapter 5 and then notice what he says in verse 18 we know that whosoever is born of God sins not but he that is begotten of God keeps himself and that wicked one touches him not and we know that we are of God and the whole world lies in wickedness hear that the whole world lies in wickedness the whole world lies in wickedness John then went on to say, verse 20, And we know that the Son of God has come and hath given us an understanding that we may know Him that is true. And we are in Him that is true, even in His Son, Jesus Christ. And this is the true God in eternal life. And in verse 21, John says this, Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Keep yourselves from idols. And our decision today has to be that same decision That we're going to keep ourselves from idols. What is an idol? You can look at a lot of things that we've talked about. Uh, Anything, Billy Graham says it like this. Anything that you put uh, before God or in place of God, that's your idol in your life. And so there's a a lot of things that you could talk about uh, having to do uh, with idols and those kind of things in our own lives that we could look at. And we need to judge ourselves on those and make sure that we're not in a place where we are uh, worshiping idols or things like idols. Well, we talked about that uh, quite a bit in that service a couple of weeks ago. And then we began to explore and go on and look and see, well, how did Israel do? 
when, when John was talking about that in the New Testament, how did Israel do under the Old Covenant? And in Deuteronomy chapter 32, we found that Moses said this to the children of Israel when they were coming into the Promised Land. On the last day of his life, he wrote the entire book of Deuteronomy. And this is what he included to give to the children of Israel. Deuteronomy 32 verse 16 said, They provoked him to jealousy with strange gods, and abominations provoked they him to anger. They sacrificed unto devils, not to God, to gods whom they knew not, to new gods that came newly up, whom your fathers feared not. Now, if you look at my graphic that I've got here, basically you're looking at a, a woodcutting of days gone by. And on the right, you can see what was traditionally called the, the god or the himself, the false god, uh, Baal. And you can see a priest there representing the people who are worshiping this Baal. And they're offering unto Baal this child uh, in a human sacrifice unto Baal. And uh, this was done many times. Baal changed his name. He has different names throughout different uh, civilizations, different nations that he's appeared in. But in this time, Moses said that when we're coming into the land, uh, that we're the promised land we're coming into, the people that were here, they were doing these things. This is what was happening. They were worshiping heathen gods. They were pagan nations. Now, what's a pagan nation? We hear the word the pantheon of the gods. Pagan means many gods, all kind of gods. So one god does not just have to be the false prophet or prophet, uh, false uh, god Baal, but it can be anything in your life, and there's lots of them out there. Now, what we learn is this. In verse 17, he said they knew not they were new gods there, and he said here, they sacrifice unto devils, not to God. You might have mankind that is bowing their knee to a, an image, as we see here on the graphic. Maybe that's what they're doing. But behind the image, behind the bell statue that they have made, is a spirit. A demonic spirit. We can go all the way back into the book of Genesis chapter 3 and we can find that when the devil entered the world and gave the temptation to Adam and Eve to which they failed and we were cast out of paradise into the sin-cursed world that we now live in except for the redemption of Jesus that came and redeemed mankind some 2,000 years ago. But the world, the world system, not children of God, but the world system may be worshiping something they see with their eyes, something they can touch with their hands, something that might be fleshly like that, but they're really not worshiping that. What they are worshiping is the devil that inspired it. Amen. And everything in our life, uh, I said like this, we have really three things that we can look to. We can see everything that we want to do that's good, that's holy, that's righteous. And, of course, God has inspired it in life. God wants that to take place in our life. On the other hand, there is the adversary. There's the enemy. There's the devil. And he inspires wickedness and hatred and sorrow and pain. Everything in this earth that is bad, he inspires that. That third thing is sometimes it was you and I. We in the middle and we'll take a little bit of maybe what God said, a little bit of maybe what the devil said and, and amalgamate it into our own thinking, our own theology, our own understanding, our own actions, those kind of things. But still, everything is coming from those two places. And so when you see something in the earth that is, that is terrible, like offering a human sacrifice unto this idol bell here, it's not just that they determined that, decided that, that they would offer it to the statue they made, but behind all that, there's a power of the devil himself. There's a power of wicked spirits. There's a power of demonic spirits and fallen angels that invest and empower themselves in those images to be worshipped. Grandmaster Kim talked about 
uh, in Cambodia and other places where he's doing mission work. Well, you, you can see things like that. You can see statues that were there. I remember, I talked to you about the, the missionary, Lester Summerall, that said that uh, he saw the, the statue of Buddha when he was traveling through China, and he asked him about, what is this hole in the back of Buddha? And the guy was telling him, that's where the spirit enters in. This was what the tour guide told him. This is where the, the spirit enters in to make him alive and make him real, that kind of thing. And so behind everything you might just see with your eyes or hear with your ears or touch with your hands, behind it there's something else going on, something else that is happening in life, and the spiritual forces of darkness are part of what that is. And so we, we saw that. If you look at the children of Israel... And, and you could see, I just listed a few of them, but they had a lot of Old Testament gods there in the, in the 4,000 years before Christ, from the time of Adam and Eve up until Christ. Uh, and, and they named them different things. There was Asheroth, there was uh, Ishtar, there was Baal, so in here there was Baal, Chemos, there was Dagon, uh, there was Moloch, there was Tammuz, a lot of different names of them. You can come into the New Testament, you can find Jesus talked about Beelzebub. He was accused of that, which means father of the flies, actually, but, or, or the waste of the despicable. Beelzebub, there was a Jew. Jupiter, Zeus, there was Hermes, Mercury, or the Oracle of Delphi, unknown God, uh, Artemis. There was different ones that you see that are listed uh, in, in the New Testament that are there. And, and so we find it all through Scripture, all through Scripture. And, and so what we have to understand is we live in the, the century that we are in, 2022, yet at the same time, the same devils and demons are at work in the earth today. They may not disguise themselves as an image like that. But they do have their images and they do have their things that they bring to us trying to tempt us and try to bring us into uh, disrespect toward God and rebellion against God and in serving the enemy himself. But I am persuaded we are better than that. We are not going to follow any devils. Somebody say amen. Not at all. Not at all. All right. Now, we saw that. We saw in Psalms 106 how that they shed innocent blood by sacrificing their daughters and their sons through the fires and offering them to Baal. What a terrible thing. What's one of the lowest things you can do when you take innocent life and that life who has harmed and hurt no one and kill that child or kill that baby, whatever the case might be, and then offer that child, that baby, unto service unto Baal. Today, we don't think we would be doing that, but yet, indeed, that is happening. In fact, it's amazing. It's amazing some of the things that happened. There were several bills that were in this last election that took place on Tuesday, if you can call it that, but several bills that took place on Tuesday, and, and some of them talked about uh, being able to, uh, if I can pronounce it, emphasize. What is that? Got it? At what, killing an infant after it's born. And I think it became legal in three states. After, after it's born, up to, about, uh, up to several days after being birthed. And, and so it, it's amazing what's happening. You say, well, you know, that, that, that's been happening since 1973. Until now, America, almost 60 million abortions have taken place since 1973. Around the world, much, much more than that, of course. And, and so you see these things happening. It's, it doesn't look quite the same, but you see things that are happening along that. Let, let me give you something. This is really good when you talk about worshiping these false devils and false demons and those kind of things. Now, notice it said in verse 17, they knew not they were worshiping new and strange gods. Somebody said, well, what kind of new and strange god might we have in our lives? If you look in Acts chapter 17, if you want to turn there, you can. Acts chapter 17, verse 29. Paul, when he was talking to New Testament believers, he said this. He said, for as much then as we are the offspring of God, all of us come from God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like gold, silver, or stone. In other words, the God that we worship, the Lord God Almighty, 
Bible says in the book of John, chapter 4, verse 24, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The God we worship is not something that we see with our eyes. He is greater than that. We, we don't make images unto him. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image, the Bible says in the book of Exodus, chapter 20, with the Ten Commandments. So, so we, don't, we don't do that for our God. He is real, and he is spirit, and he is power. He is all these things, much more than any God we would make with our hands, those kind of things. But, but, and so Paul's bringing that out in Acts 70, 29. He says, that, that's not what the Godhead is like. He's not like gold, silver, or stone. And he, then he goes into these words. Listen very carefully now. You can, uh, Acts 70, 29. Graven, not like these stone gods or these gold gods, silver gods, that are graven by art, is the word that's used, and man's device. Graven by art. And man's device. You, you, you look at that and you say, well, what is that? When we, you know, you can do it on anybody's Bible. You got it, I got it, we all got it. You can click on that and you can see what it's talking about. Uh, uh, when we get into the, when, into the Hebrew of that, or I'm sorry, the Greek and the New Testament, Hebrew and Old, we'll see that in a moment. But when you get into the Greek of that word, the word art is the word T-E-C-H-N-E. It's the word we get our word from technology, or the first part of technic. Now, technology, knowledge Coming from the word logos is the word mean uh, a word, a word, word spoken, word said, those kind of things. And if you look it up, and you can see there's two Greek words, techno and logos. And logos has to do with a, a manner, or, I'm sorry, technology has to do with a, a, an art or a way or a manner or a means whereby a thing is gained. In other words, it, it's like an access point. It's where we gain something. Well, what are we gaining in this thing? It says it's gained there. And then it goes on, the word logos, connecting it with it, has to do with a word, an utterance, or an inward thought, a saying, or an expression. Thoughts, words, expressions, things that are gained. When we think about the word technology, and Paul is talking about here in Acts 70, 29, he said, we don't worship things that are graven by art and man's device. Somebody say amen. amen. One more time, come on, amen. amen. But... Do we? Or do we not? We can reference that back in the Old Covenant in the book of Hebrews, or I'm sorry, in the Hebrew language, in Isaiah chapter 2, in verse 8. Their land also is full of idols. They worship the work of their own hands. Something they have made. And then he goes on to say, that which their own fingers have made. Technology. Something that we've made. Something... That our fingers do. And I'll ask you a question sometimes. Does this become a God sometime in our life? You say, I'm not worshiping that. But are we worshiping this? I mean, this is better than what MasterCard used to be. Can't leave home without it. Remember that saying years ago? But how many of you feel lost and undone? How many of you feel like you're, you know, uh, unclothed, so to speak, uh, when you don't have your phone with you? I mean, even now, and our children are going to school. I mean, just as soon as they walk into grade school, they take their phones with them. I mean, is there a way that you can escape this thing? How many times is it that you, you've got it and you say, you know, I, where's my phone? Where's my phone? Where's my phone? I've got to get my phone. And you've got to take it with you everywhere you go. And, and even now, during the service, we, we can use it for wonderful things, like our Bibles and that kind of things that we'll have on our devices, our technology that we have. 
But we should not be a worshiper of it. Yes, we can. But let me just ask you this, if we're talking about this as a, as a worship instrument here. Uh, how much time today, if we're in church today, and uh, we came around 1030 today to start our service, and uh, right now, if we go until, you know, we let everybody out at least by 5 today. No, I'm kidding. But if we let everybody out around lunchtime, whatever today, uh, how many hours would that be? Maybe an hour and a half? Maybe? Take you spend in church? How much time you spend on this? I would think anybody that owns one spent more than an hour and a half, don't you? I think we have. And, 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 you, and you ask yourself this question. Well, when you did this or did that about our, our Bibles, do we take our Bibles to work with us? Mm, probably not. But we do take that, don't we? And uh, whenever, even when we're in conversation with people, if you're sitting around somebody sometimes eating lunch at a, at a restaurant or something like that, uh, how many times have you seen somebody that was there take out their device? I mean, just can't wait five minutes to find out what's going on, you know, what's happening. You mentioned TikTok or, or Twitter or Facebook. And I have all of those. I have all of those on my phone. But what we have to be careful of, are we worshiping the things that we have made with our hands? It always doesn't look like that. But it can be something, like Billy Graham said, that we put before God and it becomes an idol in our life. And, and so, yeah, we use technology. Uh, it's great. I love it as a pastor and the research that I can do. I've got thousands of books. AJ says it's just a museum now because everything's on the computer nowadays. But you know what? I, I love technology. I really do. But at the same time, technology can control you if you will let it. And if it controls you and you hang around it, you will become like it. The things that you see, the things that you hear will change the way you think about life, what you think about God, what you think about yourself, what you think about your friends and neighbors. All that happens through technology in, in our lives. You've got to be very careful. Is that a God? I just wanted to bring that out to you. The new gods that it talked about that they were worshiping. Now, the Bible tells us, it goes on and again. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul spoke about it as well. And he said this re regarding food and those kind of things. That some people said, don't eat this food, it's sacrifice to devils. Paul said, you know, I don't even believe that that's, you know, that right there, that's just a stone or that kind of thing. For me, Paul said, it's not a problem, but there are weaker brothers that saw you partaking in some type of event that were connected to that. You know, they would think you were worshiping whatever. Paul said, I know that's not the real God at all. It, you know, that kind of thing. But he said this. He said that uh, they Gentiles sacrifice to devils and not to God. And then he said, I would that you would not have fellowship with those devils. And so we have to watch ourselves that we don't fellowship with idols that are in the earth, things that are going on in the earth that will cause us to veer away and walk away from God, indeed to reject God, and, and, and to embrace the things of this world. In fact, embrace the devils that are behind the gods. And so we looked at that, talking about that a little bit. But now recognizing that in the, in the Jewish world, when they were just coming out of Egyptian bondage, the whole world was taken. The whole world had been taken over by people who did not believe in the one true God, Jehovah God. And, and Moses was warning them of these kind of things. Don't go in there. He said, if you will live like them, you will become like them. And that's what you have to be very careful in our associations. We love everybody. And everybody, God loves them as well. He's not always pleased with everything everybody does, for sure. And there are consequences to our actions in this life. Absolutely. But at the same time, we have to recognize that you can't have fellowship with unbelievers continually in your life and not become an unbeliever. What you hang around will take you over sooner or later. What you partake in most of your time will become most of your life. It's just the way that things happen in our lives. So we have to be very, very careful. What happened was this. The children of Israel... Uh, after, after Moses, you know, he, he died and uh, God took him to heaven and those kind of things. And everybody else going to the promised land. They got the instruction Moses gave them, but they didn't listen. 
They go into the promised land and they begin sacrificing to devils. The Bible says in Leviticus chapter 17 verse 7 that you shall no more offer their sacrifices to devils. Said so they had gone a-whoring after them. We looked and we saw in Judges chapter 10 and verse 6 where the Bible said that they were worshiping a variety of gods. Ashtaroth and Balaam and Moab and other gods that they were worshiping. Different people and different civilizations. Their gods came in. They worshiped them. We read in the book of 1 Kings where Solomon, uh, the wisest man, the richest man who ever lived, that because he had married many strange women, in fact, what was 700, 300 concubines, about 1,000 in all uh, women that he was with during that time. And what he did, it wasn't just that, but when they came and he married them, they brought their gods with them. And the Bible told us in 1 Kings chapter 11 that they turned the heart of Solomon toward their gods. And as we remember Solomon for building the temple of Jerusalem to worship God Almighty, he also built several temples that the Bible says in 1 Kings, several temples that he built for those fallen gods. And it turned his heart away. And so what was happening in Israel, Israel was being possessed of the devils as a nation. When you look at our world today and you see the absolute nutty, crazy things that our world does, there is no explaining it. You try to reason out. You try to make it have, make sense in your mind with logic. But you're living in a world right now where logic doesn't fit and it doesn't apply to them. Their minds are contorted. Their minds, indeed, as the Bible talks about, have become reprobate. And their minds no longer process information correctly. It is the craziest thing that I've ever seen in my life. I mean, when, when you see some of this stuff, I talked about, what was it, just, just two weeks ago? Uh, we had a, a meeting in the White House of, of the United States uh, with a young boy who just tickled pink that he's going to become a young girl. That's what he's wanting to do. And uh, he is a, a trans person. Got a video of him. Maybe we'll see that a little bit later on. Not today, but another time. And, uh, and he became a trans. And now uh, he is just waiting, waiting, waiting uh, to become a woman. Remember, I mean, this, this is ridiculous stuff. But uh, remember, he, he's, he's the guy that went out and, how can I say this? I'm looking at my audience very careful, make sure everybody's here needs to hear. He went out and he bought some feminine protection for himself and was just waiting till he'd have opportunity to use it. He's going to have a long wait. Somebody say amen. amen. A very long wait. And yet he is the one that was invited to the White House to have a sit-down meeting with the President of the United States of America and talk about these things. Wow. It's a crazy world we live in. I mean, we understand by science that, that, you know, if you have two X chromosomes, you are, with two X chromosomes, you are a female. Science has told us that for 6,000 years up until the last four or five. But if you have an XY chromosome, remember XY, Y is the guy. If you have XY chromosome, you are a man. There ain't no difference. I mean, there's, there's nothing else you can be. There's the one or the two. Yet our world wants us now to select our pronouns. And our world wants us now to do things in line with them to accommodate their insanity. Well, I'm not crazy yet. Somebody say amen if you can agree with me. I'm not crazy yet. I'm not. I'm not. You know, I understand clearly right and wrong, good and bad. You know, one and one still equals two in my math book. I mean, you know, we understand all these things. It's not, but for the world, they can go nuts. Go nuts. Something has happened to their minds. Something has happened to them. And, and when we look, we see that it's become a, a possession, not only in the time of Old Testament time, during the time of Israel, but in the age we're living in today. 
you're finding a civilization in America now that we call, and church growth, folks, we learned this in seminary, church growth people, we are now a post-Christian nation in America. We are after Christianity has run its course. So they tell us. So they tell us. Post-Christian. And if, and if you look in our world, my, have you ever saw Christians under attack like we are today? I mean, the, you could say anything you want to say about anything you want to talk about just about unless it involves God and goodness and righteousness and holiness and living right and those kind of things. They don't want to hear those kind of things. But they want to hear all the, all the trash and everything else that's out there. We are in a pagan nation that we're in right now, and there are many gods. doesn't look like that one, but there's many gods all over our nation that are, are, are being worshipped. Now, we looked at that. We looked at Now, look with me, Luke chapter 4. Everybody turn there. Here's where we're going to be. Luke chapter 4. By the time Jesus gets into the earth, 4,000 years after Adam and Eve, by the time he gets into the earth, after the children of Israel have went into the promised land, lost the promised land, the Romans have taken it over, and now the Romans are in charge, and Jesus comes into that world. And the Romans are a very false God-oriented culture. I mean, they, they worship anything and everything but Jesus Christ. At this time, good news is coming about 400 years later. But still, at this time, they worship anything but God Almighty. And when Jesus gets there, he, he, he hears this from the enemy, the devil. In Luke chapter 4, remember the temptation? Luke chapter 4, verse 5, the devil takes him up to a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to them, all this power will I give you, the glory of them, for it's been delivered unto me, and to whoever I will, I'll give it. In other words, the devil says to Jesus in the temptation, hey, you see this world everywhere? I own it. It's mine. It's been delivered to me. I can give it to anybody I want to. And Jesus, if you'll fall down and worship me, I'll give it to you. That was the temptation, one of the three, that he gave to Jesus. Now, notice Jesus didn't say, no, you don't own this world. He didn't say that at all. He didn't say it at all. Because what had happened was the devil... Demonic spirits, fallen angels, false gods like this had taken over the civilization. And by the time Jesus gets here, he comes into a world where the devil is just running havoc all through the land. Everywhere. The devil starts him out saying, listen, before you even start your ministry, before you hit did, right here, the temptation, after the 40-day fast. Right then, he says, hey man, I own this place. And if you worship me, I'll give it to you. Now then, that's one place. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, Paul the apostle said this. He said... In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine unto them. And what he said was the God of this world. What do you mean, Paul, the God of this world? There's a God of this world, and it ain't God Almighty. It's not the Lord Jesus Christ. This world has its own God. They don't fully know it's this God are some of the gods that have been in days gone by, and it may not quite look like that idol, but still, they ha in the heart of every person, there's this cry to worship something bigger than themselves. And if they don't choose to worship the Lord Jesus Christ and bow their knee to Him, they'll bow their knee to something else. And they are. I mean, these people are very, very, and I say this in a, in a, in a colloquial way of saying, very religious about what they do. They worship their gods. Paul said, there's a God of this world. The devil told Jesus, all these kingdoms are mine, I'll give them to you. And in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul wrote this. He said, where in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. And so we have the devil that is working in the hearts and the lives of men. Demonic spirits, fallen creatures who are against God Almighty, 
in a world that we do not see with our eyes, yet is out there, this spiritual world. And the Bible says there is a course or there's a path of this world that they're walking on. It's very easy to live a sinful life. All you got to do is just, as the song said years ago, just come do what comes naturally. Or all you have to do is just follow the rest of the world because that's where they're going. The way is broad that leads to destruction. It is narrow that leads to life eternal. And so this world that we are in is being ruled and reigned by the devil himself and all that are there. And finally, we saw in 1 John five nineteen, where you and I just looked, that the whole world lies in wickedness. Four times you see that that is mentioned. I could give you others. But four times that is mentioned in Scripture. There's just no denying it. When Jesus comes into this world and hits this world, there's devils that are investing themselves in people, in societies, and in civilizations. And it's one thing for an individual to be possessed of the devil and controlled of the devil. It's another thing when a whole society gets possessed. Another thing when a whole nation comes under the controlling power of devils and demons. I am heartbroken to say this to you. But it seems in America today, we are very close to that point if we have not passed it already. Because you see the devil just having his way in people's lives, doing such crazy things that they do. Such things are so unbelievable, what they do in life. I, I mean, you know, you, you can just look at it and you see it again and again and again in our society. We'll talk more about it in just a moment. But, but in Matthew 4, let me show you what Jesus responds to. When he came into the earth, began his ministry, in Matthew 4, verse 24, the Bible speaks of Christ Jesus. And it said this, that when he came, they brought to him all sick people and they that were taken with diseases and torments and they that were possessed with devils. They started bringing the devil possessed to Jesus. And those that were lunatic or moonstruck, lunatic, do these crazy things. And those that had the palsy and he healed them. He came with a healing touch for a sin-cursed world. He came with a deliverance for those that had been bound by the devil to set them free. That, that was his ministry. That was what he was doing when he came into the earth. The Bible says in Matthew 8 and verse 16 to fulfill prophecy. It said, when the evening was come, they brought him many possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits. He cast out the spirits with his word and he healed all that were sick. Jesus, if you want to put it in modern day terminology, we would call him an exorcist. Because that's what he did. He went about casting out the devil of those that were possessed and those that were bound by the devil. Remember the woman that had been bound and Jesus said this woman's been bound by the devil for 18 years. Shouldn't she be loosed? He talked about it. He's constantly doing that. You can see it again and again. And the Bible says this in Mark 3 and 22. Listen carefully. The scribes which came down from Jerusalem said, speaking of Jesus, he has Beelzebub. And the prince of the devils, that's how he is casting out devils. They called him Beelzebub, prince of devils. And, and then what's happening today? When you stand up and, oh, for holiness and righteousness and you stand up for the truth of the gospel, what do people say? You're intolerant. You're the one that's wicked. You're the one that doesn't understand. You're the one that's being mean and cruel to us. It's you. It's not us. And we live in that day when men and women call good evil and evil good. I mean, it's just, just reversing the two. And, and Jesus was called that. And think about it like this. Christ said this. If they persecuted your Lord and Master, don't think it's strange that they persecute you. If you stand up for what is right, you'll have some people that will disagree with you. You'll have some people that disagree with you to the point that they want to fight you, they want to come against you, with all manner of evil that is against you. When you stand for righteousness. If you think it's going to be smooth sailing whenever you make a commitment to Christ and to stand on the Word of God, that's not the way it works in the sin-cursed world that we are part of right now. 
And, and so these things are happening in our earth today. Jesus came and to deliver, deliver and set free the world that he was in. Now, in Luke 4, 4 verse 41, it says, Devils also came out of many crying out and saying, You're Christ, you're the Son of God. And he rebuked them and suffered them not to speak no more logos out of you. For they knew that he was the Christ. Let me tell you something. If you really live this life with Christ on the inside of you, you'll have people that'll be out there, they're not going to like you. They didn't like Jesus. They didn't want to be around him. They, you know, he, he was scary to them, that kind of thing. He was going to take away, you know, their little fleshly parties that were, they were having inside themselves, all this kind of stuff. And, and there was a lot going on when he came to this earth. He was hitting them left and right, casting out devils left and right. He even turned to Peter, and he said to him one time, he said, you know what, that thing is in you, Peter, that's wrong. Get behind me, Satan. Th- talking about Peter that was there. I mean, you know, everyone is being very careful about the access that we may give the devil to our own lives. You've got to be looking. You've got to be out there. Because again, it don't look like this image bell that I'm looking, showing you up here today on the graph. It doesn't always look that. It looks like other things. And they couch the words in so many different kind of things. Now, look with me in Mark chapter 1. Let me show you this. Mark chapter 1, verse 23. When Jesus comes, there's a number of accounts I could give you. I'm not going to give all of you. But uh, he's just constantly casting out devils and delivering people. And the devils know it. But I want to show you something. Listen very carefully. Devils love religion. They hate Christianity. Now, I say that in a way that we can understand as we're Christians. We don't really claim to be religious. We have a spiritual relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I can be religious just because I repeat a certain amount of activities every Sunday or whenever I do my religious thing. You know, just because I went to church. Just because you come to church today, thank God that you did. And uh, thank God that you did. But I hope you're here for the right reason. And you came because you truly wanted to worship God, hear the word of the Lord, and, and show the Lord how much you love him. I hope you did. But if you just came because it's Sunday and that's what I do, I go to church, then you just became religious. And we don't need to be religious in a relationship with God. We need to be spiritual in a relationship with God because you can't worship him except in spirit and truth, the Bible tells us. And, and, and so when Jesus went out, one of the first things he did, Mark chapter 1, the first chapter, there are 16 in the book of Mark, and this is the first one. And one of the first encounters he has where he shows a display of the power that God has invested him with on earth, on earth. When he shows that display, first thing he does, he, he goes to church. And you know what he finds at church? Mark 1, 23, there was in their synagogue, Jewish place of study. It's not the temple where they make the sacrifices, but it's a place of study, a synagogue, Jewish people. A man with an unclean spirit. What did he do? He cried out. He comes and he finds someone in church, in the synagogue, with an unclean spirit, and he cried out. And what did he say? He said, let us alone. Don't you judge me. Isn't that what the world says to you? Don't judge me. Who are you to judge me? Now listen, I've I'm, I'm got enough time judging myself. I really do. And uh, I need to do that, keep myself straight before the Lord. I really do. But at the same time, I can look and see what the Word of God says and what, it, you know, what the command is, what the law is, and what it says. And I'm not judging. I'm just doing what God said. Amen? Well, what if he said this to our, 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 our wonderful chief of police here? What if I go out there and I run the stop sign? And he sees me, and he turns on the light, just runs me over, and says, listen, hey, man, you just run a stop sign. I said, don't judge me. <laughs> he probably said, yeah, I'm going to judge you. I'm going to send you to court. They'll judge you over there. They'll get you. 
But no, you understand that. There are certain things that are right and wrong. Certainly, you make judgment on those things. We don't judge somebody like we're always out to get them and, oh, you're nothing, you're nobody. We don't do that. But, but we certainly make judgments based on the Word of God, based on the law that is given. And, and, and so here, he said, let us alone. What have we do to you, with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Are you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, hold your peace and come out of him. He cast the devil out of this man that was in the church. Somebody says, well, well where are the devils and demons in the church today? I'm, I'm going to show you something. How are we close on my video? Are we up there? Okay, I see hands up. Okay, here it comes. Now, look, I'm on, when I get to the end of listen. There ain't nothing on here that I'm about to show you, okay? Nothing on here that I'm about to show you that is not, you know, you don't see all the time different places. But at the end of it, once we get into a little bit of the end of it, I'm a little uncomfortable with that, so we might just cut it off a little early, and I'll tell you when. But do you know that the devil goes to a lot of churches? Listen, we are an interdenominational church. We love everybody that calls the name of Jesus. Somebody say amen real loud. Absolutely, everybody. We ain't the only thing in town that's got the, got the Word of God. Somebody say amen. amen. So we for everybody. We're not against anybody. I'm not. But at the same time, if the devil's in the synagogue, he needs to be cast out according to what Jesus said. And I hate saying this. I really do. I have friends. I, you know, I've been born and raised here. And uh, I have friends that I've known all my lifetime and wonderful people that love God, serve God. They go to other churches, thank God for them. They do. They're wonderful people, really. Are. But then there are also uh, some of our churches in, in our town and around our world that have gone absolutely nuts, doing crazy things. And there's a compilation. There's much more than this. I've got many more than this. But this is just one little video I saw on YouTube. It's a little less than three minutes long. And it talks about some of the things that are happening in our churches. Can you imagine... That in the church of the living God, where we come to worship the Lord God Almighty and to offer Him our praise and worship, that in the midst of a holy atmosphere where Jesus said, where two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst of them, that in the presence of God Almighty, we would bring in some of the trash that's coming into churches today. That's sort of enough of that, amen? amen. What you're seeing, all those people were men that were dressed up as women. They were not women, they were men. And what the Bible calls it an abomination. What the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, when it speaks about those that do not inherit the kingdom of God, how do we let those in charge of our services? This drag queen Sunday stuff just happened about three weeks ago. And people are accepting it into the churches like it's a normal thing. I mean, I once heard there what was about Christ, uh, Christ's supremacy. Is that what we think we are? You know, they talk about white supremacy. Now they went to Christ uh, supremacy. Well, let me tell you something. Christ is supreme. Somebody say amen. He is. And this stuff that you see there, this is on the low ranking, low of sins. It, it's the thing, uh, this abomination. And I've heard people say different things like this. Well, it's not so bad. You know, we, people do other sins and this kind of thing. Well, listen, what other sin in the Bible did God burn down a city for? Sodom and Gomorrah, right? So God must have thought it was a pretty big, abominable sin that he talked about. And when we let this kind of stuff go on in our churches, what you are seeing there on the screen, you're not just seeing men who are wacko that are dressed up like women and that kind of thing and trying to get you to accept them. You're not, you're not just seeing that. What you're seeing is demonic spirits. The devil who is trying to mar the image of mankind that God created in the beginning. 
You and I, we are created in the image of God, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. We're created in the image of God. And the devil is wanting to take that and contort it and twist it and change it to where we no longer look like God's children any longer. Where we look like these clowns that are going on up here. Sort of a clown show, I guess you could say. But you can see it. And that's just one. That's just one. But I can show you where they're trying to infiltrate our schools with that kind of stuff. And take all, all our schools. And when the first thing they want to ask you when you go into your classes now are, are what are your pronouns? What do you go by? And, and my classic definition is that. Well, just take a look at me. What do you think I am? I mean, you know, it, it's ridiculous that some of the things that, that they are saying and they're doing in the earth. That, but it's happening in the world that we are part of. And if we don't wake up as a culture, that right there will destroy America. You can look at, look at the Roman Empire. Study the history about when it was destroyed and how it happened and what took on. Anytime that you see this homosexuality and all of this same-sex marriage enter into a community, you destroy the family. When men don't know they're men and they stand up and they're the person that God's made them to be. When women don't know that they are women of God, you are destroying the nucleus of that family in the earth. And when you do that, you basically destroy the civilization. If I don't have a clue who I am, if you don't have a clue who you are, how am I going to know about anything else? And when we do this ridiculous stuff that we do and we, we put this, this man that dresses like a woman as a, you know, head of health and humane services of, of, of the nation of the United States, we do crazy things like that. You can't expect anything different than what you see out of people whose minds are blinded and they cannot see the truth. It is happening in here today. Turn into Acts chapter 16. Acts 16 and verse 16. Let me show you something. Not only did Jesus encounter, encounter devils of his day, but Paul did too. And, and here's one that I want to show you. Acts chapter 16 and verse 16. Paul said this came to pass that when we went to prayer, a certain damsel that was possessed with the spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. She was a fortune teller, we'd call her. And they were making a lot of money off her. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. Now the devil will compliment you if you want to take his compliments. And this is what's happening here. They try to act like they're with you and for you and on your side and that kind of thing. You say, oh, we, I love everybody too. We love everybody. We love everybody. But if you're about to put your finger into an electrical socket, I'm going to tell you don't do it. And if you act like a nut, I'm going to tell you you're a nut. I mean, you know what? You know, nuts are nuts. I can't help it. That's just what's going on and what's happening. And so you do that out of the heart of love. And so here, when we see this woman, she's possessed of the Spirit, making a lot of money. And she's following Paul day and night, saying, These men are servants of the Most High God, which show the way of salvation. And she did this many days. Verse 18, Paul was grieved. Not happy about it, grieved. When we see stuff like we just saw, it should bring a grieving to children of God. Grieving to those who love God. How can this be? How can this be taking place in a place that calls itself, you know, a house of worship of Almighty God? Yet yeah, it is, and more and more of it. She did this many days instead of her. And then, same hour, he turned to her and he said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to the Spirit, come out of her, and came out the same hour. Problem was, her master saw the hope of the gain was gone. A lot of money and sin. And when the devil's cast out, they, they, what, what happens to them? They, they finally said, you're the ones, verse 20, these men are Jews and they exceedingly trouble our city. The people that are speaking righteous are the people that are troubling our city, they say. The people that are getting the devil out of this fortune teller are the people that trouble our city. They teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither do they observe being Romans, they say. In other words, as a citizen of the United States of America, uh, we have to do this and so, and uh, we can't accept a preaching of the gospel. 
We can't accept what God says about our circumstance. We have to do what our culture demands of us. The multitude rose up together. The matches, they rent their clothes. They commanded them to be beaten and to lay many stripes on them and cast them into jail. Imagine that somebody that delivered this little girl of the devil that was possessing her and they cast it out and then they put them in jail. So, 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 the, so the people that were doing righteous, they were the ones that were locked up and they were the ones in jail, not her. Now, if you look, there's a little something about this that you don't really see in just my casual reading that I've just done now. But there was a spirit that was on the inside of her. And when you look up the Greek behind the text that is there, it had to do with the spirit of divination. And that's also the spirit in the Greek, a spirit of Python or of Apollo. Now, now, we know when we think about them, you're talking about Greek myths, those kind of things. Yes, Apollo was part of that in the Greek myths. But remember, remember, how did they get the Greek myths? How did they get all the things that they talk about, the worship of fallen gods, fallen creatures, those kind of things that they did in those days? Remember, it's not what you see out here, but it's what's behind it. It's a force that empowers it. It's a spirit that is in it. And so what was happening here, as this little girl was, worship, or was, a, this girl was telling fortunes, it said here there was a spirit of divination here, or a spirit of Python, spirit of Apollo. And, and Python was a huge serpent that had an oracle. An oracle is one who says he hears uh, from Apollo. In other words, it might be, we would call them a medium today, or an oracle. Uh, on Mount Pernicious, famous for predicting the future, who predicted and foretold events that influenced people of their day. A priestess of the temple was called Pythonese, and through her, messages were delivered. And so what was happening is this, it was, wasn't just this little girl that's out here telling these fortunes, but there's a spirit in her. There's a power that's in her. And that's what we have to recognize in the world today. When we see the foolishness that's going on, when we see the corruption that has taken place, when you see people, you know, burn down cities and people, all the kind of different things that they do and get mad at government and, and you know, all the things that they say about the police and everybody else. You know what? Are there some, uh, in, in every circumstance in this church as well as different places, are, are there a, a few, maybe a few bad apples? Yeah, there's a few bad apples everywhere. All of us, we got them, you got them. We got some in our family. Sure they are. But you know what? You don't do away with those that protect us and serve us just because there's a few bad apples, do you? No, no. Get rid of the bad apples and everybody else keep on going. We, we honor and respect those in authority. Absolutely. And, but, but here, see what happened is this little girl, she gets delivered. She can't tell fortune anymore. They lose their money. And, and so they're going to go out of business because of what's going on. But it was a force, it was a power that was behind her that took place. It, it, we're going to see some things as we go on about this. Uh, in fact, let me just show you something. Do you know, do you know that in their day, let me, let me get to the place I want to show it to you. In, in their day, Oh, as things began to happen, the gospel was being preached all over the world. And as the gospel was being preached and the word of God was going forth and devils began to cast out, society began to be changed. The world that Jesus came into was not the world that we see some 300, 400 years later as the gospel begins to be preached all around the world. The gospel is the cure for a sin, sick, and stricken world that we live in. The good news of Jesus Christ is the answer. Somebody say amen. That's the answer right now today. Now, we, we can look and we see some things. You say, what about this? You read one account by Paul. What about Peter? Acts 5.16. They came to a multitude out of the cities round about Jerusalem, bringing sick folks and them that were vexed and unclean spirits. They brought unto him. 
they recognized that these unclean spirits and devils had taken people over. They brought them for Peter for deliverance. Philip, in Acts chapter 8, verse 7, unclean spirits crying with loud voices came out of many that were possessed with them and many taken with, with palsies and other sickness and diseases, and they were healed. And you see what's going on is happening. The devil causing so many ills of mankind, taking over their mind, their heart, their spirit, causing them to do things that normal people just don't do. Cause them to do things in life to, to maybe be cruel to their uh, parents or to their children or husbands and wives and, and, and do things that you say, that's not natural. How can anybody do such a thing? And yet we see people do it. You know that there's a devil at work behind there somewhere. Now, the men and women that do things, they're responsible and they got to pay the price. But behind it, there's the influence of the devil, just like in this world that when Jesus came to and he entered in there. Disciples, what was one of the things Jesus did for the disciples? He told them, he said to them, last thing he said to them was this, that uh, I've given to you power to tread on serpents, scorpions, over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. And so he gives children of God power over the enemy, I I even today that you and I live in. Right now, we can have the same power that the Bible talks about. Through the name of Jesus. How many believe the name of Jesus is greater than the name of the devil? Absolutely, isn't it? Absolutely. It's the world that we live in right now. Now, now listen to something. Jesus begins to tell his New Testament church to go out and preach the gospel. To teach the word of God. We're going to cure this world of all this demon possession that's in the world. In Acts chapter 1 and 8, the Bible says you'll receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You'll be witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost part of the earth. The prophecy of Jesus is... The word of God that I've given you, empowered by the Holy Spirit, will go into the utter ends of the earth. In other words, the gospel is going to win in the end. But the gospel has to be preached. If in America, like some churches today, they don't even preach from the word of God, you never hear them mention it. They give you a couple of poems or something like that. Or you invite some of these drag queen people in, that kind of stuff. You're not hearing the gospel then. That gospel is not going to do anything for you. It's not going to free you of the devil. It's that there is going to possess you of the devil, not free you. But it's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that, that, that Jesus said, preach it all over the world. The Holy Ghost will empower you. Preach it by his anointing and by his power. What you do, you do in the power of the Spirit of God. Well, they begin to do that. As they did, Acts 17, we fast forward. Verse 6 says, speaking of Paul and Silas, when they found them, they drew uh, Jason and certain brethren into the rulers of the city, crying, these men have turned the world upside down. In other words, they had preached so much to that Roman society there at Ephesus. They said, they turned our world upside down. That's what we want to do as children. We don't want the devil to turn our world upside down. We want the children of God to turn our world upside down. Amen. In other words, take the stuff that's going on, the things that are happening in the earth right now, and reverse it. Turn it right back, right, really, where it's at. Now, the heathen will say, well, you turned everything upside down. Well, in their mind, maybe so, but not, but not in God's mind. What did they do? Acts 19, 19, I know in our world some people are getting some of these things, and I'm not, you know, I'm all for education and books and those kinds. I am. But sometimes you get things in society that have to be taken out of society. And in Acts chapter 19, verse 19, many of them, the revival was so great, many of them also, which used curious arts, brought their books together and burned them before all men, and they counted the price of them and found it worth 50,000 pieces of silver. In other words, everybody that were in the occult, uh, 
everybody that was in witchcraft. And they had these curious arts. Those things where they foretell events and those things where they have amulets and charms and interpret dreams and calculate the sex of the children before birth. Not talking about ultrasound, something else they were doing. And, and they foretell your history or your future by the planets and those kind of things of your daily life. Those kind of things. The books that taught them how to do things that are against God, against His Word, against what's holy and good and right. Things that promoted worshiping the devil. And these curious are, they brought them together and burned them all up. Now, you know, in society today, people go, oh, we don't believe in bur book burning. I, I don't think we ought to. I, I've looked in history, and I've seen some history of some folks that I've studied over the years. and I didn't like everything I saw or, or did, but now that was historic. That's what they did. And I might need to know what they did. Whether I agree with it or not, I might need to know. And so I'm not just saying you just burn everything. But when you find something that is destroying your eternal soul and is preaching and promoting the destruction of your life with God, yeah, get rid of it and burn it and do away with it. And that's what they did. You see them happening right there. They were really taking over their world. Imagine that. Preaching the gospel, turning the world upside down. Jesus said it's going everywhere. All this was taking place. And, and, and another place we saw this. In Acts chapter 15, there came a, a great debate in the church. And one of the things they said that you don't need to do after this is this. You need to abstain from the pollutions of idols. Stay away from those idols. It became a doctrine of the church. Don't have anything to do with worshiping false gods. Stay away from them. The word of God, when it is preached, it will destroy the works of the devil. Amen. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8 that Jesus Christ would manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. And so when Christ confronts this evil and wicked world that he does, it begins to change society and change culture, change the hearts and lives of men and women. All over the world, it begins to happen. I've looked through a few things. Let me just read you just a couple of things that I saw. We're looking at in a historical book that I read, Kenneth Latourian said this, one of the most amazing and significant facts of history is this, that within five centuries, from the time they began preaching the gospel up until really in the 300s or in the 400s, almost five centuries, during that time uh, of Christ's birth, Christianity won the professed allegiance of an overwhelming majority of the population of the Roman Empire and even the support of the Roman state. We know that within five centuries, Christianity became the dominant religion of the Roman Empire. Isn't that something? They come into a world that's infested with demonology, false worship, false gods. And through the preaching of the gospel, 100 AD, 200 AD, 300 AD, 400 AD, by that time, the five centuries that follow. During that time, then we see a mighty conversion happening in the Roman Empire. The Jesus movement, which started in an obscure part of the Roman Empire, in a relatively short period of time, transformed into a major religion with millions of followers spread all out through India to the east, Ethiopia to the south, and Britain to the west. And so you can see that influence. Historically, it's recorded what they did and what happened. You remember, if you studied your history in school, what did it say about Emperor Constantine? What happened to him? Constantine was a Roman emperor from 306 to 337. And is known in history as Constantine the Great for his conversion in Christianity in 312. Even the, even the, wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't you like to see our leaders come to Christ? Somebody say amen. amen. Absolutely. Well, Constantine did. He came to Christ. He was a, there was a battle that was taking place. And uh, up to this time, he was a heathen, worshiping pagan gods. And he saw a cross that appeared in the air. And it said, in, in this name, in this symbol, conquer. And he went out and he converted it to Christianity. And he received Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And he began to do things in Roman Empire. They even changed the coinage. 
I mean, had religious coinage during that time, or Christianity coinage, different things that they did. All kind of things that were happening that were taking place there. A, a century after that, there were very few pagans that were left. I mean, you know, people that worship all these many, many gods, these pantheon of gods, very few of them were, were left at this time. Christianity has succeeded in large measure because it required this. Listen, it required con- converts to make a decision that was exclusive and final. If they chose to join a church, they had to abandon all previous religions. You can't bring any other religion into Christianity. You can't do it. It is Jesus or you don't have it. That's it. It's Jesus. It's Jesus and Him only. And here it talked about that was one of the things that made them so successful in preaching the gospel. They said, you've got to leave all your pagan gods, leave them all far behind, and bow your knee to the Lord Jesus Christ only. Nobody else. Now, in America, if we say, well, listen, you worship what you want to, you worship what you want to, you what you want to, you, everybody. And we say, everybody's all right, you're okay, I'm okay, we're all okay. I mean, you know, if, if that's what we're going to say, you're never going to win America to Jesus Christ. Unless we preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that said, you know, it's the Him, what is it, John chapter 14 and 6, that in the name of Jesus and Him only, there's no one else, no one else, it's Him and Him only that will bring us to true religion, if you want to call that, true faith in God, it's only Christ Jesus. The pagan religions didn't operate like that at all. Since pagans all worship many gods, there was no sense that any one god demanded exclusive attention. Quite the opposite. Within pagan circles, if you chose to worship a new god, say Apollo, that didn't mean that you gave up your worship of another god, say Zeus. No, you worshiped them both, along with Hermes, Athena, others that you talked about. Your family of gods, whichever you choose, whenever you choose. Christians, though, maintain there is only one God, and if you follow Him, you have to abandon the others. And so for uh, America to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to abandon all of our foreign gods. Let me read you this last thing. I'm going to shut her down here. I read to you in the book of Acts about this spirit of Python that was there. There was a... uh, (laughs) In chapter 50 of Eusebius, a church historian, there's several that we look about that were back during the time of Christ. And some of them, Josephus, many are familiar with him. Philo is another one. Eusebius is another one. Herodotus was another one. There's many historians that were back there. But in the writings of Eusebius, how successful was the Christian church? How successful were they? How successful were they? Remember, when you see these images that I have up here, of Baal, it's not Baal, but it's the spirit behind Baal that gives him his life force or power, whatever you want to call it, the spirit that is behind him, that's promoting all of this false god worship. Well, remember, the Christian church begins to preach the gospel and are so successful, Jesus comes in casting out devils left and right. Peter and Paul and John and the rest of the disciples in the New Testament church and believers, all believers, the 70, the disciples, they're preaching the gospel left and right. And they're telling that you've got one way and one way only. It's Jesus and him only. And they're casting out devils. What happens is society begins to change. Somebody said to me, you know, says, well, I know what we ought to do. We, we ought to go into in our area and, and do away with some of the places that you and I call sin, of course. And let, let's say we want a, maybe a crack house. We want to do away with it. Well, I think we ought to look up, find all the crack houses we can, and walk and shut down, shut down, get rid of them. You know, absolutely, I think we're going to do that. But you want to know how to crack down or, or to cut out the crack house w- without actually going there to shut it down? You get the person that's running the crack house saved, get them to turn for Jesus, and they won't want to do that anymore. 
Till they do, we need to keep shutting down. Somebody say amen. But that's the answer for mankind. It's Jesus Christ. I, I, mean, I mean, the Bible teaches again and again and again. The law is for the lawbreaker. For we that are children of God, we live by the Spirit. We want to do everything we can to please God Almighty, to do what's right and holy and just. We want to do that. By nature, we want to do that. But in our society, if you don't do that, you break the law, you have to pay the price. I mean, is there, and as it should be. Well, what's happening is, as they're preaching the gospel all over the civilization for these next 100, 200, 300 years, Constantine gets saved, and things begin to happen there, something happens with the gods. Something happened to them. Because when they go up and worship these gods, they would swear to you that they're hearing that God speak, that they're hearing that God talk, that that God is communicating with them. God of stone, wood, whatever it may be. Eusebius wrote this in chapter 50 of his book, on the uh, histories that he entitled it. In the days of the Roman emperor Diocletian. Who brought a great persecution against the church. In his days there is an account of an oracle of Apollo. They were worshipping the god Apollo. The oracle is the one that stands out front. Acting like a priest and saying this is what Apollo has said. And that kind of thing and talking. Who it was said could not give oracles any longer. Eusebius wrote this. It's almost right now, it's almost 2,000 years old. And he wrote it and said, because of the righteous men. Righteous men have stopped our God from talking. They didn't knock it down and burn it over and that kind of thing. But somehow the God just don't talk anymore. We are not hearing him. About that time it is said that the God Apollo spoke from a deep and a gloomy cave. Through the medium of no human voice. And declared that righteous men on earth were a bar to his speaking the truth. And hence, it was then that Diocletian suffered his tresses or, or his long hair. And he drooped as a token of grief. And mourned that the evil spirits which were there. Which the loss of the ocular oracle, ocular spirit, would entail of mankind. And now that it was gone, he could no longer hear the voices of God's. Imagine. Jesus comes into the world. The world is filled with these worship of false gods. And by the time of 300, right in that area, 400, right along in there, by the time that happens, the gods are no longer allowed or no longer can they speak. No longer can they speak. That's called revival. I want to have revival in our church. I'd like to see every, revival, every church have revival. And I'd like to see all the churches filled with people that want to have revival. Wouldn't you? Somebody say amen. But you know what? You know what real revival is? It's not just when we come into our churches and I feel our churches, but it's when our communities change. It's when we do right by our brother and sister, whoever they are in our community. When we treat people right, when we love everybody, we do not steal, we do not rob, we do not fight, we're not against, we love everyone. That's when you see real revival that takes place. And that's what they were seeing in the early church. It was changing society. I hope you learned that on Tuesday, you can't change society with a vote. Vote righteous, vote according to the word of God, and certainly do what you're expected to do, and you should do. But I don't have confidence that our political leaders will change our nation or change our world. I only have that confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. Turn with me one other place, and then I'm going to let you go. Matthew chapter 12, I want you to see it. Jesus spoke a parable in His day. And he warned us of something. In other words, if you're looking at, at, at a time when the gospel came into the earth that Christ brought in, and that gospel preached by the disciples freed up the world of these pagan gods so that 
they no longer had their power anymore. I mean, you, you can prove it by we look at the history on down after that and see it again and again. And the gospel was preached. Men and women were turning to God, and societies were changed. It, it happened. Civilization will change. Jesus gave us a parable, though. Matthew chapter 12, verse 43. He said this. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walks through dry places seeking rest and he finds none. In other words, if a, on an individual level, if a person who had been possessed of the devil and by the grace of God and through the power of the name of Jesus Christ, and Jesus cast that devil out of that person, that devil leaves it. Remember, we spirit, soul, and body. And that devil leaves out of that person. And he walks through dry places. He's looking everywhere. Can I get back in to somebody? Because the devil cannot express themselves unless they are in some physical form of some sort. And so he goes through dry places looking at any, and he doesn't find any words there. Notice it. Verse 44. Then he says to himself, that spirit does, it's been cast out. I will return. I will return unto my house from whence I have came out. And when he's come, he finds it empty, swept, and garnished. In other words, this individual was delivered of this spirit, set free of this demons in them, but they did not replace it with the spirit of the living God. They were just an empty house. Okay, Verse 45. Then goes he, the spirit, and he takes with him seven other spirits. If my math is right, that's now eight, isn't it? Before there was one, now there is eight. Eight spirits, more wicked than himself. They enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. You ask yourself, when you see this, that when the devil repossesses, I'm not talking about an automobile either. When the devil repossesses an individual, the last state, Jesus said, is worse than the first. You thought the devil was controlling his life at the beginning. You ought to see what happens if the devil gets kicked out and he doesn't replace himself. He's empty, swept and garnished. Swept out, cleaned up, garnished, empty. I mean, everything was right. He just not, not received Christ into his life, did not receive the word. You have to replace something. Years ago, I remember one of the president's uh, wives, I think back in the 80s, talking about drugs and said, where it comes to drugs, just say no. I agree. I agree with that. Just say no. Just say no. But you better say no, and then you better say yes to some things you can replace it with. Because if you leave your life empty, you're going to go back to that no and say why and, you know, do the wrong thing. So say no, but also say yes to some good things into your life as well. And, and, and so Jesus says this, that the spirit comes back in there. But now listen to this. We're talking about a man. But listen, are we? Are we? Are we? Look at verse 45, the last sentence. Even so, shall it be also unto this wicked generation. Not an individual, but a generation of people. Now notice what the Spirit says. He says, he will, verse 44, the Spirit says, I will return. And what we are seeing in America in a great way is a return. Of the heathen and false gods. That for so many years in America. We had kept at bay. The Bible, there it is. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 7. Talking about the hinderer of lawlessness. The church has hindered lawlessness. But when the church has lost its salt. When the church has lost its faith. Like the videos. 
and the church is not standing against a godless society, then there's no barrier to keep the devil out any longer. When men and women do not believe and preach the, the literal word of God or believe that God Almighty is the only God and do not believe that Jesus is His only Son and not believe He's the only way and we embrace other gods, the church begins to lose who it's supposed to be. And if the church doesn't stand up against unrighteousness and things that are wrong and the sins of our world, what, what is it to do? I mean, we, we have to depend upon uh, you know, our law enforcement to take these guys over. That, you know, maybe what should have happened was that, that the church should got the people in such a way of living before Christ that we didn't do the things that are lawless. And yet it's there. And these spirits, Jesus said this, don't it? Verse 44, Spirit says, I will return. And when you see the things today that are absolute crazy, just nuts. Little children, 14, 15, 16 years old, little precious little girls that are they're having double mastectomies. Double mastectomies. Because for some time in their youth, as we all grew up, sometime there they might have had the idea there was a boy instead of a girl. And they started cutting off things and taking puberty blockers. And our schools are allowed to, 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 to give those things out without even asking parents. I mean, you have to ask, you know, can you, a parent, can you do it, uh, get a tattoo to your 18, but not, not puberty blockers. You, you can get them. There's a lot of things out there like that. And, and you see these precious little girls, are, are, yeah, little boys, uh, I'm sorry, but little boys be, being castrated, 13, 14, 15, two years old is one of the earliest when I heard about. Imagine taking a little two-year-old child and the parents said, well, we wanted a boy instead. And they mutilate that little girl's body. How could somebody do that? How could they do that in any mind of minds that is rational, sensible, just has a common decency? How could they do that? That's the worst thing. Wait a minute, wait a minute. That's the worst, worst. What did he say? When those devils return, the last state is worse than the first. You're seeing and you're hearing things you just never heard of, never dreamed of before. And I submit to you today that every one of us are living in a society where we need to stand up for what is right, holy, good, and just and stand up for righteousness because this invasion has taken place in America. It's here in our land now. And I'm sorry. I'm heartbroken to make those kinds of statements. But I must tell you that the reason we see what we see and the craziness going on is not just the mind of mortal man. It's the mind of mortal man that's being influenced and affected by the gods who have said they would return back in the year today. But we've got the answer, and his name is Jesus. Somebody say amen. amen. I'm going to talk to you more about that next Sunday when you come. Let's stand this morning. We'll go before the Lord and ask God's blessings on us. And next week we'll delve just a little bit more into some of these things. Oh, God help us in Jesus' name. Lord God Almighty, we give you praise, we give you glory, we give you honor. We give you praise, glory, and honor, Father. We worship you in this house. We love you, mighty God. We love you, mighty God. Stretch your hands toward heaven and pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, that your word is true. I thank you, Lord, that Jesus is my Savior. And I thank you, Lord, that you empower me to live righteous in this world. And I thank you, Father God, that your hand is upon us for good. And say this, say, Father, I ask you to empower me to reach the lost and to speak to those, to 
In, in fact, preach to those. Those that do not know you. That they should receive Jesus. And Father God, we believe that greater are you that is in us than he that is in the world. And we give you all praise. We give you all glory in the name of Jesus. And somebody say hallelujah. Come on one more time. Hallelujah. All right. God bless you. Good to see you today. Glad that you came. Be encouraged in the Lord. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this faith-filled message. Please connect with us at our website, gospeltabernaclechurch.com, so we can continue to be a part of your faith walk. And if you're listening today and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, now is the time to do that. Now, today, is the day of salvation. Pray this prayer with me. Dear Father, I believe you sent your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to die for my sins on the cross. And you have raised him from the dead that I might be alive in him. Jesus, I confess you are Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, welcome. You're now in the family of God. You're a child of God. Connect with us. Let us know if you prayed that prayer. We want to be right there alongside you as you walk out this journey of faith in Christ. God bless you.